Kevin Carter comes up shooting. Got it! 1.2 seconds to go! Vince Carter, you are amazing! Give it to me! A little baby black! Get that garbage out of here! <laughs> Toronto Sport Matters, podcast number 32. Guys, we are back with the usual suspects. My right is Christian Wolfgang Graffin, and to my left is our own Greek freak, Gregory Oshadis. Guys, how are you doing today? What's up, T-Dot? Not or, bad. How are you guys doing? Not, not too bad. Maybe the, the Cypriot assassin. I think we kind of figured it out last week. I like that. I like that. Or the sport doctor as well. Cypriot assassin. All right, guys. To start from the top, Toronto Raptors, three games since our last pod, dropped two games to the Golden State Warriors and the Philadelphia 76ers, getting a win last night. In uh, against the Detroit Pistons, Grafner at that game. What are a few takeaways from that uh, from that game? Well, uh, I actually ended up getting pretty drunk at the game. Uh, which <laughs> she was, doesn't remember uh, much. So I, it was one of those things where you know pre-drinking before the game, and then you get there, and uh, no, it was a good game. How were the seats? The seats we were in the lower bowl, so you can't get every seat in the ACC is fantastic, to be honest with you. But we were on one of the sidelines in the lower bowl, so it was good. But. I'd say the main take. I called it before the game on even on Twitter. I think I was saying to you, you that Lowry is going to have one of the better games. You and nailed it. JV is going to come out and show against Andre Drummond, and yep. it's because whenever JV has a matchup that suits him, it's always the media the next day. Oh, JV's amazing, and then all of a sudden he plays someone who dominates him because they're they're skinny or they're more agile, and everyone mm. goes, should we even have him on the team? The scapegoat. Exactly. So it's just that game to me, and I, I like I was saying, I was saying beforehand, I think he played 23 minutes or something like that, had 17 points or 17 rebounds as well. Mm-hmm. It, it, absolutely phenomenal. He did a great job, and he's the main reason I think why we won that game, mm-hmm. because when CJ Miles is leading your team in points. You know it's going to be one of those defensive stuff. It's almost like the game against Miami, from what mm-hmm, I saw. Mm-hmm. They almost try to employ the same strategy. Um, they did a lot of the same switches on defense, and they have Bradley, who's just really good on guarding Demar. So he was trouble yeah. for him all night long. So we had to go to someone else. CJ stepped up huge, and I think the the game, from what I saw, was a typical Raptors win against the Pistons. Yeah, it, it, it was a typical Raptors game against the Pistons. Eh? Uh, a Dwayne Casey, Stan Van Gundy. Like half court, grind it out. You like I liked what I saw from CJ Miles. When CJ Miles is playing like that, the Raptors. I mean, you saw what we can do with JV, right? And with Miles, those two guys, I feel like, and Norman Powell are are the X factors. When when they're clicking, right, we can look different, right? So when CJ's on, we can space the floor better. When JV is on, you get that dominant inside presence. Like, he gets so many little gimme shots. Yep. I actually like, now I'm watching them play more. They're actually passing out of the double teams and the pick and rolls to JV. And JV, I mean, he's rushing some of his passes still. But he's showing the capacity to actually be part of a quick ball-moving offense. And look, I got to say it. I, I, I think he can shoot the three, man. I never the- thought I would say it. Being in the crowd, that was definitely the most memorable part of the game. The crowd's going nuts, eh? Yeah, when JV hits a three, everybody in the crowd goes nuts. And he throws up those little signs? Exactly. It's the the best part of everything. Alrighty, folks. uh, We're talking about Stan Van Gundy, Dwayne Casey. At this point in the season, around the halfway point, a lot of uh, members of the Basel media are sort of discussing, speculating who will be the coach of the year. Dwayne Casey, obviously in consideration. Graf, I know you want to talk about this a bit. What's your take uh, on Dwayne Casey being the coach of the year, and is he deserving of that? sort of award. So I, I do think that he's coach of the year and I, I mean there's a few reasons as to why I think so. I'll, I'll get into that in a bit but 
one of the first things, he's probably going to become coach of the All-Star game as well. He, he most likely will get that honor because Brad Stevens can't be at consecutive years. Really? Last year, yeah. So Awesome. So, who, again, that's going to sort of bolster his, you know, his, his mm-hmm. resume, I guess, for this year. But I truly think he deserves it because of what he's done to the team. I mean, he's transformed the team, and the way he did it, I think, was – I mean, again, there's a really good article, and this is mainly from James Herbert, who's from CBS, mm. and he just referenced what the Raptors basically did in this offseason and how they did it. And basically, they have a whole new point system that what they'd employed. This mm-hmm. is how they changed their game from this mid-range team, basically, to a, a three-point shooting team that gets a lot more assists. We were 29th in assists last year, and now we're just doing way better. So corner three-pointers are worth four points in this new point system. Threes and layups were treated normally. And if you hit a mid-range shot, you got one point. And if you missed it, you got a negative one. So they played this way. And you can see it on the bench sometimes when you watch the game. You see the guys come off when they're, after they've been playing for a few minutes and they ask to see a score sheet. Yeah. And the, the score sheet that, that they're asking to see, I'm pretty sure, is their own point system and how many points they have in that. Mm. Because it's, it's, the philosophy now has gotten in their head so much that players even talk about it all the time. DeMar said he wants to lead the team in assists. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk in every interview and the, the movement of the ball. Like it's emphasized so much. So this is one of the reasons. I mean, Nick Nurse is a huge reason why he's probably the offensive, you know, quote unquote coordinator of the Raptors. Mm -hmm. And he was the one who really wanted to employ this because honestly, if you look at this situation at the end of last year, how do you get two people like Damar and Kyle who are all stars? to change the way they've played when they've been so successful getting to that point playing that yeah. way. Yeah, no, that's a so fantastic it, point. It's basically, this is the main reason why I'd say I think Dwayne Casey, des- or sorry, yeah, Dwayne Casey deserves because it. Because he's got the star buy-in. Yeah, and he's yeah. completely changed the Raptors without really changing too much of the roster. He's and also, like, really developed, like, a plethora, a, a plethora story of young players on a team exactly. who kind of come together to assemble one of the better bench units in the NBA. Which is hard to do, right? Like, this is something that, with my coaching at, at Jarvis Collegiate, with the soccer program, I only have one varsity team and I have to try to develop juniors get them playing time as opposed to having like a junior team right Mm -hmm. Um, while also you know competing for a championship uh, every season this is what Dwayne Casey is trying to do at the professional level right he's trying to bring these young guys along while at the same time right you need your veterans to be getting their minutes and performing so that come playoff time you know what you're gonna have Um, A quick note on Casey, Uh, you know, I thought he's been one of the most overlooked coaches for a long time, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and this is something that that Jack Armstrong uh, often says in the uh, telecast, Dwayne Casey's a builder, okay, he's built this program. Okay, you look back at, at, at the whole pound the rock philosophy, right? When you see the team now, it's an extension of him. The way they play, right? The, the hard-nosed mentality, the defensive presence, right? Uh, I like the ball movement. I love it. I Look, I like three-point shooting. I don't like when players are... Like, sometimes I feel like we're settling for threes to meet a quota. There's a difference between a contested three and a wide open three. Right. And there's a difference between Pascal Siakam and Sujay Miles. And I love, and I know, I, I feel like I shit on him a bit the other week because I just, I couldn't watch him shoot any more of these brick threes. But I love all the other parts of his game. I would just rather see him than take a step in. Or, or you know what I mean? Like when I was growing up, that's what you did. If, you, if that wasn't your range, you took a step in or you drove it to the basket and dished. Finally, on the Dwayne Casey point, on Coach of the Year. I don't know if the American media will give it to him. 
I'm real like Brad Stevens is like the golden boy. Well, He's you the gotta, chosen one, listen, right? Listen, like I'm the definition of a devil's advocate on the show. Like I'm not the biggest homer. I know Greg, you're a little bit more of a homer than myself. I'm the homer. But and, there, and there's several guys in discussion, like who could be you know coach of the year. Nate McMill is doing a, fan, a fantastic Greg, job. Greg Popovich every year. Greg Popovich, but you can't overlook Stevens. You know, after the Hayward you know season-ending injury, he kind of molded the Celtics into the most consistent team in the East. You know, with a top defense, you know, a 16-game winning streak. You you got to factor that in the conversation. But at the end of the, the day. Dwayne Casey transformed this organization to what it is today, toward the fifth team in the M- fifth best team in hey, the NBA. Dwayne, it'd be blasphemy if he didn't win the coach. Dwayne Casey has put time into the NBA. Okay, he has taken his lumps. He right, he is a good basketball guy. Uh, if Stevens is going to get his chances, See, I feel like if it's really close, give it give it to the older guy out of respect. My only concern, though, and you can see it's the last couple of seasons, the Raptors is like our New Year, January, February performance. Yeah, exactly. If we can keep the ship afloat and you know still be the fifth best team in the Eastern Conference, fifth? I, I'm I mean, sorry, fifth best team in the NBA, rather. Yeah. I don't see why he wouldn't be the coach of the year. If we're close to Boston, you got to give it. I think to Casey. I mean, Boston has a lot of talent too, man. Like they have, they have Kyrie. They got Kyrie Irving, Wade right? DeRozan. No, but I mean, like, <laughs> and, and and look, like I said, Stevens is right there. But I think if they're close, I think out of respect, you give it to Casey. And we have a better home record. We're sixteen and three at home. Only the Spurs have less losses at home this year. We're only three games back from the Celtics. I honestly do yeah. think we will finish first this year in if the we, East. If we just and have the to Cavs, beat them. That's yeah. all we have to do is beat Boston when we play them. And the Cavs are four games behind us. The we've, Cavs we've carved aren't going a little bit. You know, we've carved ourselves a little bit of a of a lead here. And I think, like you said before, if we can keep going, get through it to the All Star game, and just get. You know, if we can go, I don't know. I think there's 12 games before the All Star game. If we can go with eight wins there, uh, we're going to be Boston great. head to head. Yep. 16 and three at home. That's uh, pretty incredible. All right, guys, moving in down the list. Um, I know we kind of Greg had a gripe a couple weeks ago about uh, me? No. a pretty famous uh, Canadian hip hop musician Drake doing halftime interviews with basketball players. Um, but he's also doing something positive for the community with the emergence of the Welcome Toronto program, which basically um, yeah allows the Raptors to host six Welcome Toronto theme home games this season, beginning January 26 against Utah Jazz, where the Raptors will wear their Drake brand OVO uniforms and debut a new black and gold home court. Well, there it is, Color. isn't it? And also one of the program, though, Drake and the Raptors will donate $1 million to refurbish local community basketball courts and another $2 million to Canada basketball. Drake was quoted saying, the key is always to grow. The key is always to evolve. Talking at a, a news conference last night against the Pistons, the whole thing is out. Uh, sorry, the whole thing that was most important to me was just a call to action. The one million, which is sort of earmarked for four court refurbishments per year, will hopefully create an amazing atmosphere for everyone's communities. Basically, the question I want to ask you guys is: Drake more than just a fan, and is he kind of filling this basketball ambassador role, uh, the way you would envision or way you would want it, rather? And is there still lingering? Hey, Greg, I envision that he would try to brand himself in this philanthrop- philanthropic initiative. Mm-hmm. The truth is. The fact that they're refurbishing courts, when MLSC does that, they just put a big stamp on it. And the truth is, if you really want to affect communities through sport, you need to do more than refurbish a basketball court. I hate to break it to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and again, it's like oh, an OVO branding thing. Like, I, I, I can appreciate um, 
that the, the, the Toronto Raptors are, are trying to get into the sport for development rhetoric, mm-hmm. but there's often a big gap between the rhetoric and the reality. And people will use the PR for saying that we're helping these communities. When, like I say, like if you really want to invest in community, it takes more than just putting some mesh on some hoops. It's like idealism over substance. Exactly. And and again, with the whole OVO thing, it's a, I, I see it as a branding thing. Mm-hmm. M- mind you, um, I don't, I don't want to badmouth uh, because I, I think that it comes from Masai Ujiri's real want to uh, do good through sport. And well, he, sport really does have that power. And you saw it in the Nelson Mandela uh, African Legends Night. So there is some good substance to it. Well, you can see in the numbers as well. You know, Canada's only franchise has more than quadrupled its value in 14 years. You know, going from 2017 million in 2003 to 980 million last year. So they should year. contribute it's a, it's to the community. It's a testament to how the game's evolving. I know it's an old stat as well. But look at participation in basketball. Uh, stat published by Canada Heritage uh, state that Participants from age 5 to 14 uh, mm. participating in basketball went from 13% in 1998 to 16% in 2010. I mean, imagine it's still growing. It's probably closer to 20, 25% now. So the game is evolving. The game is growing in Toronto. I know it's a very old statistic, but... No, Brandon, I am so impressed by your research. So Look, impressed. Eh. The, what Jake said there, I think, was like the, how he said about evolution, like the game's evolved and all this. Think about how much the partnership has evolved. When when we first had, it was Tim Tim Lewicki, I think, was the first one that wanted to bring Drake in as the global ambassador, and it started mm. there. And uh, the team then still had Rudy Gay on it. Like we were tanking. And he's sort of been brought up with the success of the Raptors. It's helped both sides. And honestly, like if you ask, there, there's been a couple articles today about this partnership because of this deal. And I do think it's more than just, you know, refurbishing courts. It, in the end of the day, it's a million dollars to refurbish courts and it's $2 million towards Canada basketball. So now who knows cool. where I that's like, going to go to, I like to, putting right? it into the Canada basketball. But again, like in some, most of these articles, a lot of the league's players, or a lot of the players around the league were asked if the perception of the Raptors has changed. And many of them have said that Drake is one of the biggest reasons why it has changed. Yeah. So, and, uh, and again, it, co- it coincided with the All-Star game that year being in Toronto. And everything kind of fell into place that the partnership, at least at this point, has been sort of everything you've experienced expected I guess like unless you were really one of those people who thought that Drake was going to be able to bring LeBron James to Toronto yeah that's what I'm waiting for which I really you know I think that's the most unrealistic <laughs> thing to actually happen but no he's I done he's done well Durant. this this donation and this charity and this initiative just is sort of a, an icing on the cake from my perspective sure all right guys moving down the list February 8th is fast approaching. February 8th, if you're a basketball fan, is the NBA trade deadline. Toronto Raptors, fifth best team in the NBA, don't need to make any splashy moves, but there's still a few holes or a few issues that we could try to fix or patch together through the trade deadline. Uh, Guys, are there a few people you have in mind that would make sense financially and stylistically um, the team better? So we're not going for the Lonzo Ball move? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I I was kind of, I, I've been thinking about this. Uh, and look, I'm not someone that necessarily thinks we need to trade JV, but it seems to be like the thing to do. It's like JV isn't any potential trade offer. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think we need to do that because with him, we, we can play big or small. But he is expensive. And maybe, and look, one area of weakness, I think, on a team where you want to shoot more threes, we just don't have enough knockdown three-point shooters. I think with Norman Powell struggling to score off the bench, it seems like maybe we need another another scorer off the bench. Well, there's a few names I've jotted down right now, but before I get to that, Graf and I were having a little bit of chat on our Facebook Messenger chat room, or the fuck you would call it. <laughs> um, 
And uh, I was sort of suggesting, you know, flipping Valanciunas three years left his contract to the Phoenix Suns for expiring contract of Greg Monroe. Greg Monroe. But this is the season, like, he was right. Graffin's 100% right in the sense that this is the season where we need to go all in, invest everything toward this one singular season. Why? Because this is our best shot to winning the Eastern Conference. Or what if LeBron doesn't come back next year? That's also well, thing. Gordon Hayward's going to be there as well. Yeah, but Boston's not. We're I also mean, talking we'll about play Boston. Milwaukee no, Bucks are getting better and better and better. Johnson's becoming getting up, his own. Yeah. You know, uh, the Pacers are just getting better. You know, Wizards are kind of at a stalemate right now. But you know, the Heat are even getting better as well. Seventy Sixers, you know, RBC We're are going to be three-year term here, mm-hmm. right? Like yep. Ibaka. Yeah, they're Lowry. here. The core is going to be here for three years. So I think with this year, it was about let's see if these kids can play. Okay, and when if well, by playing them they become trade chips, mm-hmm. right? You can't. There's no value in players that don't play. If they're getting time on a winning team, there's got to be some value. I don't know if they need to pull the trigger this year. I would say by next year, depending on how the playoffs go, you'll see them package some of these young guys for an impact player. I think that if if you do the Greg Monroe thing. It seems just like a salary dump. Like Monroe doesn't have the upside that JV still does. Like JV's getting better. Like he's still getting better and he's showing evolution. Well, with that, I'll name a couple guys that kind of came to mind when it comes to potential trade packages. Uh, Courtney Lee in the New York Knicks, uh, mm. making a career high 42.6% at uh, the three point line. And he's been effective as a secondary pick and roll ball handler. Uh, pretty big contract this year, making $11.7 million, but definitely a guy that we can bring in the fold. Another guy that comes to mind is Jonathan Simmons on Orlando Magic. Yeah. Uh, John Hammond was kind of mentioning uh, the GM of the Magic, was sort of mentioning that he is open to many trade suggestions, kind of deplete. Uh, Basically trading everybody except the for magic. probably Gordon, I imagine. Um, but, you know, shooting has escaped him a bit for Simmons, but he's kind of shown the past. He shows up when it counts, often coming through clutch performances in the playoffs. You see it last year with Spurs. Spurs as well. Um, currently averaging 14 points per game. A little bit, like as I mentioned, 31% of the three-point line, but a $6.3 million cap hit's pretty reasonable. Graffin, are there a few guys that come to mind for yourself? Like you said earlier in the podcast, I, I don't think there's too many splashy moves the Raptors really have to make right now. At least... Uh, the way they've been playing, the way the unit's clicking, you don't want to yeah. you don't want to ruin the gel, the chemistry. And to be honest with you, it seems like because I watch a lot of the open gym as well, it just seems like they're all friends, right? Like they're yeah. all legitimately friends with each other. They all hang out off the court. They make fun a, of each other. That's a big. That's a, a big thing. It's really it makes road trips more fun. It makes everything better, right? There, there, there's an intangible that comes with that, right? You play Absolutely. harder for each other. So for me, I wouldn't want to do anything too big. But I mean, I have been saying this all year. I do think if any. Anything. Uh, we do need another scoring threat. Um, Wesley Matthews would be the target. Yes. I've, I've said this for a while. I don't, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You were the one that said it first. And I don't know who I'd give up, really, to get Wesley Matthews. I don't think would it would you be a lot. JV for Matthews? Yeah, I'd give up JV in a second round pick for Matthews, probably. Oh, man. Because then we can rotate a Bach into the five, and then we can figure it out from there. Is right? he still so, filling it up? Because I haven't watched. Like I remember he was good back back in well, Portland. When Matthews on Portland, his bread and butter was 3 and D. He was... So sort of in the mold of like an Avery Bradley, like a lockdown defender at the two. But he's a better shooter, yeah. And a, and a good three-point shooter. His defensive has fallen off, um, especially after the Achilles injury. Um, and yeah. he, I like the idea of bringing him in. I just can't invest $36 million over the next he's two years. He's making big money, right? Uh, for, yeah, for it does, decline, it does make de- sense, though. It does make sense. He's 15th right now in the NBA in three-pointers made. 
He's shooting 38%, which would be pretty high on the Raptors. He'd be like third on the Raptors right now. So, uh, again, it's just another scoring threat. He's a guy who can put up 20 points any night, any time. Mm-hmm. And he, just because of the decline of Norman Powell, I guess, in terms of being that scoring threat, and because OG's primarily a defender, you do kind of feel that void sometimes of DeMar or Kyle are having an off game. Yeah, and the, like the second unit, if you watch, like they're great. There's a very little um, offensive creativity if they don't get stops defensively and run it gets really stagnant in 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 the half court it really does the only uh, yeah and the only problem is we would lose JV down low and therefore those games against the Pistons with Andre Drummond and Miami with Son Whiteside and the, yeah because you watch Turtle has trouble with those big yep. dudes right Ibaka too Mm-hmm. Yeah, Abaka as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, moving on to general NBA discussion. One of the biggest stories this week was a little bit of a fistfight between the LA Lakers and Houston Rockets, uh, verbal and physical altercation. Um, we're also seeing a dramatic rise in physical <laughs> yeah. incidents in the NBA. A couple come to mind, starting the season, Miritich and Portis, the uh, Aaron Ofalo, Nemanja Jalika headlock we saw a couple days ago, the Bradley Beal, Draymond Green hugging incident, uh, LeBron, James, and his Kanner kissing match, Serge Ibaka, <laughs> James Johnson sort of swinging for the fences at each other, and DeRozan and Dragic's uh, finger Afollo. smack incident. Aaron Ofalo. Yeah, yeah I, said, I said that. Aaron Ofalo, Jalika, oh, uh, the headlock. Um, that reminded me of the Nolan Ryan headlock where he's yeah when, uh, who, who, I can't remember who somebody charged the mound and Nolan Ryan gets him in a headlock it's just like that but nonetheless what happened uh, last week between the LA Clippers and the Houston Rockets was shit hit the fan um Chris Paul obviously previously played for the LA Clippers. His first game back playing for the Houston Rockets against his former club. Emotional game. Uh, Very emotional game for Chris Paul. But basically what happened was uh, Patrick Beverly, Austin Rivers, and Shrikos not playing that game. Started, like, had got a verbal war of words with Trevor Ariza and Gerald Green. Um... I guess a reason Griffin rejected. Griffin was ejected because he apparently also elbowed Mike D'Antoni. Um, after the game, apparently there's some like secret tunnel in the arena. I don't know Chris what the Paul fuck knows happened. about it. Clint He's small Capella, enough to know. Clint Capella, the, the Swiss man, Clint Capella, basically knocked on the front door of the locker room, stood there as a distraction so Gerald Green and Trevor Reza could get into the opposing team's locker so room. ridiculous. All complete bullshit. Basically what Motion I'm trying to get at, soon. why do you think there's a recent surge in physical altercations in the NBA? Is it kind of like part of the game? Or does the league need to step in, kind of invoke harsher penalties for on-court fights and altercation? And also, is it fair that only Green and Ariza were suspended considering that Beverly and Rivers coming off the bench were the ones who sort of instigated this sort of spat? Well, I don't think that it's... I mean, yes, I do think it's fair that only those two got suspended because those two, in the end of the day, were the ones who took it way above the line by taking it from chirping to trying to get into the other team's locker room. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's where you cross the line, right there. Look, at Lowry and Ben Simmons were chirping each other the other day. As soon as they went to the back, yeah. we don't know what happened, but that, that's it, right? If, if they end up seeing each other in the back, then it's another level and there's suspension. Wasn't involved. Larry calling him out to the tunnel or something? Uh, apparently there was something going on. But <laughs> anyway, he didn't get suspended. Yeah. I think he, may, he maybe got fined for it. Regardless, they're getting suspended because they went into the locker what room about looking Chris Paul? for it wasn't because Paul Chris, and Harden. Because Chris Paul and James Harden apparently went in there trying to get them out. Well, and the trying to like start, yeah, right? they the were initial report was Chris Paul was involved with Green and Ariza trying to get into the Clippers locker room. Right. Reports afterwards say that Harden and Chris Paul were more or less playing the peacekeeper. Exactly. Role. So that's why they weren't they weren't involved in it. And again, before that, it's all chirping to me. 
So after but that, like, so I don't know if the NBA should be more harsh on on on. Again, it, it seems like this was exactly appropriate to me. The, the suspensions were given, the fines were given. I don't think like a harsher penalty is going to decrease fighting. If anything, it's just boiled up. You know, yeah. it's just the frustration. First of all, the refs are calling the game terribly this whole entire season. Mm. I don't know if anybody else has noticed, but there's a whole bunch of frustration. I bet you just on the court based on the referees alone. So I don't know if it's the reason why there's so much fighting. Mm. Um, I think it, my favorite thing from this whole whole event was Clint Capella being like that, like embracing Swiss neutrality and just sort of like, <laughs> you know, like just knocking the door and standing there. Yeah, it's like yeah. they sent like Steve Nash. <laughs> Can I just also say, has it, is it lost on everyone that this all happened on Martin Luther King Day? Right. Dr. King would be, is rolling over <laughs> in his grave somewhere, man. I think people overlook the fact that, like, you see them on TV and you, you think it's like like what Charles Barkley and Shaq were talking about, the hold me back era. These guys are like six foot nine, six foot ten. Can you imagine the concept, a man of that fucking size trying to attack you? No, Jesus and you know Christ. what? That's why, and that's <laughs> that's why, like, this hat, the fights on the court need to be taken seriously because if one of these guys connects, right, like, it's um, a flawless haymaker look like the haymaker that Shaq threw at Brad Miller years ago. Remember that? I do. Right? He just threw a complete yeah. haymaker. And it's like, if these guys connect with that, you're talking about like, I mean, look what happened to Miritich. Just one punch from Portis. Oh, no, Brad Miller's got that redneck strength. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, you're right. Miritich is exactly correct. That could happen to anyone. But that's what I mean. Broken, at, fra- like fractured and bones. And teams have mad money invested in these guys. But question, we forgot about Miritich. What should, could, would you make a trade for him? Would yeah. that make us better? I wouldn't. I honestly yeah, wouldn't. Me neither. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mess with that. It's just right a now. contract yeah. as he's well. He's not good enough to make it. Well, he's making twenty-five million dollars over the next two years, respectively. So we would have to package Norman. Or we can't trade Norman Powell. We right. talked about this already. So mm-hmm. there's no real way we could facilitate that trade unless we'd give them like Valanciunas on a pick or something. Plus, yeah. I wouldn't want him in the locker room if he's getting punched by players. He doesn't get along. But to go yeah. back to the other point, I would say C.J. Miles seems to break it down the bat. When C.J. Miles talks about this, he seems like the most real player in the NBA. Bench when he basically bad. just says. No one's going to fight. There's all these people yeah. that are just talking and they're saying, hold me back, hold me back, yeah. and no one really wants to be The only loose. guy, like, out of all these physical altercations that I thought shit was going to hit the fan was Aaron Flalo because he's straight up from Compton, and I just thought he was going to beat the fucking shit. Well, that shit punch was weak. <laughs> all right, uh, moving down the list, next up. Uh, so there was a planned Isaiah Thomas tribute video, which was canceled by the Celtics after Paul Pierce sort of objected to it because it coincided with his jury's retirement night. Pierce has been vocal about how he wants things to go down at TD Garden on February the 11th, and Thomas even tweeted he did didn't want the Celtics to tribute him, stating, I'd like to thank the Celtics for the gracious offer to play a video tribute on February the 11th, celebrating my three years in Boston. But since it appears this has caused some controversy with Paul Pierce, I'd ask the Celtics instead to focus all their attention on number 34's career. The question to you guys, is Paul Pierce being kind of petty over the fact that he should share this tribute with Thomas, or is he right for voicing his frustration with how the Celtics and Danny Ainge handled the situation? Also, on a side note, what is the criterion for giving a former player a tribute note, or a tribute video, rather? Is it based on tenure, notoriety, fan appreciation? Should, like, Terrence Ross or Patrick Patterson get a tribute video? No, they should not get a tribute video. I think it's on based on fan appreciation. I mean, look what he did in Boston. Like, again, the fact that you look at the playoffs last year and he played through that whole thing with his sister, you know, passing away. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that right there he is what it is. put them back on the map. Uh, regardless, guys, we'll listen to Jalen Rose's take on this very quickly and we'll come back in one second. By the way, the Boston Celtics did turn around their fortunes since you played there when Isaiah Thomas was leading them. Right. He was a part of them being a number one seed. He had tragedy with the team. He even played in a playoff game after his sister tragically passed away. Next, 
gotta, I gotta say a word for you, fam. I thought it was petty. Ooh. <laughs> on who? On Paul Pierce's part. In what part? I love what Paul. Part? This is my part. part. Because to me, there are gonna be all type of announcements that happen in the 48 right. minutes during that game. Okay. All types. Okay. Including celebrating Isaiah Thomas could be one of them. What does not take away from your situation, like Kobe's, that happened during the game, because they're doing yours um post game. All right, guys. So getting back to the topic at hand, do you guys have any thoughts? Yeah, I think situation? it is petty. Yeah, I think it's a little petty. I, uh, but I'm not surprised. Like NBA stars have like a celebrity complex, right? Like it's oh, it's my night. But Jalen Rose, he's like, look, there's like a number of things that are gonna be on the jumbo. He's trying to preserve night. his relevance. That's basically what he's doing right now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, but I mean, like the Isaiah Thomas video would go on for like. A few seconds. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take away anything from Pierce. If anything, yeah, it should. I think it is petty, and it kind of shows his. Um, oh, what's the word I'm I'm looking for? Not poor judgment, but it just doesn't look well on him. I think it just makes him want to. It seems like he wants to be a Kobe. I mean, I know this is the take, but like, yeah, well, that's what Draymond is saying. You want a farewell tour like Kobe? You ain't right. Kobe. I mean, it's the first of all, the, this whole celebration's happening post game, so yeah. What's this, why can't you have a little tribute video at halftime? Why can't you have a little something happen before the game? Like, there's so many more opportunities for that to happen that won't at all interfere with Paul Pierce's ceremony. So, to me, yeah, pure pettiness. I, I think Jalen Rose, yeah, it's pure pettiness in my like mind. Like, the same too. situation with the Raptors would be like if we had the Vince Carter sort of appreciation, right? And then DeMar DeRozan got traded and he came back, you know what I mean? If anything, it, it adds to it because it's like, oh, it's such a big night for Boston Celtics basketball. Like these two things are happening. It's Why ego. Right. What I'm trying to get at it's, it's ego. ego. Yeah, it's yeah, ego. it's egotistical. <laughs> Thank you. That's what it is. It's egotistical. You're celebrating Boston players. Like yeah. it should be everyone's everyone's involved. Yeah. Everyone's happy. Instead, yeah. he wants to. I don't know. So it, getting back to the question, though, what is the criterion for giving a former player a tribute? Good, uh, well, I was going to say good relationship with the organization, but it's fans. that's not what Isaiah has. Yeah, so it's fan fans. appreciation. It's fans. So it's not about talent. It's just you know, it's like, like Jerome Williams would get a fan appreciation. I, I, like think, it's, I think it's time in and like, did you accomplish something? Mm -hmm. Right? So, mm -hmm. you know, Zon Tabak wouldn't get one, right? But you're right. If Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan, you know, was traded, then, then they Suffice would get one. to say, there'll be no Andrea Bargnani appreciation. El Mago! All right, guys, moving down the list. Following Monday's loss in Golden State Warriors, several media outlets reported there was a developing sense of score and concern about the direction of the Cleveland Cavaliers. According to ESPN's Dave McMenamin, multiple players expressed doubt that the problem, which more or less is an aging roster, defensively challenged personnel, and a glut of redundant role players could simply be worked out through patience and a chance to coalesce when fully healthy. The question I have for you guys, who are these prominent players voicing their frustration with the direction of the organization? Can the team bounce back in the second half? And what do they do with the Brooklyn pick? Do they trade it for a quick fix and encourage LeBron to re-up with the team? Or keep it as a safety blanket in the instance that LeBron dips? We'll listen to Chauncey Billups very, very quickly talking about um, trading that Brooklyn pick, and we'll be back in one second. It'd be tough for me to trade that pick. Okay. It really, I mean, it's the, they're the oldest team in the league. You want to try to find and get younger, um, get some younger assets. I just think them getting that pick from Boston was brilliant in the first place, and I wouldn't be parting ways with that right now. It would take a really special player for that to happen. All right, guys, Cleveland Cavaliers in turmoil. Um, they made that trade of Kyrie Irving and got the Brooklyn Nets first-round pick. Um, but clearly they're not the same team as last year, third in the Eastern Conference. What's happening with this organization? Well, okay, we can't base this purely off the game that the Raptors played against them, 
because although, you know, it was an old-fashioned beatdown, that Cleveland team, like, <laughs> you know what? Drake was doing his job taking him out. But they, they probably were out in Toronto or something because they, they were not in their defensive stances. There was no passion, right? And mm-hmm. with, the, with, with the way that Toronto plays, if you don't bring it to play us, we will outwork you and out-hustle you and get on the break. And your talent means shit when you're trying to chase down Pascal Siakam on the fast break, right? Um, that being said, like, look, LeBron's having the best statistical season of his career, but... I don't know if that's... I mean, it's certainly not enough to beat the Warriors, okay? I don't even know, with the way that we've been playing and the way that Boston's been playing, if they're the lock that they were in my mind before. They look vulnerable. They look old. They look slow. Uh, Jay Crowder, the guy that's ranked before DeMar DeRozan for his supposed 3 and D, his defense doesn't look that good, and I don't see a three-point shot. Isaiah Thomas hasn't looked like the player he was last year mind you so so maybe when Isaiah comes back and then when the playoffs come around you'll see the old guys you know they'll get into it but they look vulnerable and I mean it comes down to we talked about this, about this last week uh do you expect LeBron to go or not okay and 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 what can you get for that you because if you can get a Marcus all like an all NBA type player mm-hmm and you have LeBron this year, and you want to go all in, I would completely understand that. But I would also understand the reverse. Hey, it's, uh, you know, we don't want to mortgage our future. This could be a number one pick. See, this team, in my opinion, is composed of obviously one superstar, two staff fillers, mega star, and a bunch of role players. Like, that's the identity of the Cleveland Cavaliers. A bunch of heat check guys off the bench. I personally wouldn't trade the pick. You know, like you have to have that safety blanket going in next season. The only way I would trade that pick if it's somehow the Pelicans would offer up DeMarcus Cousins. I'm sure she's not giving up that Brooklyn pick what for about? DeAndre Jordan or Marcus Saul. You, would, you wouldn't give it up for Marcus Saul? No, absolutely not. No, I, I agree with Chauncey. I think they're too old. And honestly, if you give me, uh, if I had to take a percentage right now on what I think uh, the odds are of LeBron staying in Cleveland, I'm probably saying under 25%. Really? Yeah. I really do think he's going to leave uh, this offseason and probably go to L.A. just because of what you know he's built already around there. He's It just seems like Wait. everything he does off the court is Which built around going to L.A.? LA. It doesn't matter. Probably not. It's not playing in the East, and he's going to be playing probably somewhere. So again, if you're the Cavs organization, though, and if you're going to look at look at it that way, you, this pick was huge for you. Getting this pick is massive, and you have to keep it. I don't think you're going to sacrifice next year. Um, you can build around a pick like that, and then you can keep going. You, it, but you, you but you're foregoing right. then. You have like they cannot beat the Warriors as presently constructed. Again, it's one of those teams where when you make a trade like of that magnitude, I feel like especially with Isaiah Thomas coming off the injury. He's coming back to his game. The, as he gets better, Cleveland will get better. Yeah. Look, there's no need to panic. Doesn't help much defense, where though. Cleveland the last year, defense. Yeah, but Cleveland last year at this exact same time got blown out roughly um, two games in a row by like 30 points and by 20 points. But they had and we all Irving. said, and we all said the same thing. We all had all these worries, and in the end, they ended up sweeping us, or yeah, sweeping us, and we making Boston but, look terrible in the playoffs. Okay, so I it's agree just with too that. early to panic. I, I I agree with that. The the issue is. Isaiah Thomas can't get his own shot as easy as Irving. Yet. Like, but I mean, with Irving, it was like when they turn it on, they're unstoppable. They look containable with Thomas. Like they look mortal. 
but Thomas is getting when you watch the games. Thomas is getting all of his shots. Like he, what he's really good at is dribbling really, really hard into you and then pulling up really, really quickly and as a yeah, stop and, Thomas, and fading away. He's a rhythm guy, in my opinion. Like well, he, he's a guy that needs reps, that needs the practice. The shots need, just aren't dropping. Like he was right talking. There was a report this week by Isaiah Thomas stated that the Cavs simply just don't practice. Like a guy like that <laughs> needs to get into yeah, rhythm, needs to yeah. get into playing for him. He can't yeah. just be a spot up shooter for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He needs to have the ball in his hands. And how do you do that with LeBron James? On the team? Yeah. No, I agree with you. It's too early to quote unquote panic. I don't want to say panic, but they look... Okay, so at this point, I don't think that they'll have home court advantage for the playoffs, and that's fine. Uh, in the which, Wait, like in the second... Like in the like against us or Boston. Okay, I think for us, the best for the Raptors, we got to get the one seed, so Boston and Cleveland can play each other first. Of course. That's so key for us right now. Absolutely. Well, they're like a game and a half behind the Wizards, uh, so they might actually lose home court advantage coming I, the That's playoffs. the thing. Like, if they have to actually... They're going to have to work now for the rest of this regular season. And if you watch them, like, the defense just isn't... Like, they're the worst team in the league defensively. Yeah. There's never been a team that's won a championship being the worst team. Because last year, they were, like, 20th. This year, they it's even worse. Yeah, I'm just I'm still of the belief that they're gonna put a run together yeah, sometime no, in February, right. early March. They're gonna have, you know, things clicking before the playoffs. That I, I it's it's just it's way, way, way too early to even again, like it, it's gonna take time. When you have someone like Isaiah Thomas coming back into your rotation, he's gotta figure it out. They've gotta figure it out. It's just like any other team that has like superstars come to it. You and just yeah, figure it's it out. even I'm I'm watching part of it too is LeBron isn't fully trying his hardest yet. Like he's not rotating, which is scary because he said yeah. it's his best statistical season. No, no, season but today. I'm talking like on defense, he's not rotating and covering for people. He's like letting it happen and then like calling them out and giving them that look. Whereas in the playoffs, he rotates and he makes a play on the ball. Yep. So, I mean, maybe it's wishful thinking by me, but they do look more vulnerable. I well, think they did lose something from giving up Irving. They have lost something. Just the fact alone that there are players voicing concern within the organization about the fact that they don't think they can compete. And st- that is concerning they to lost me. A- they're Smith. losing the Yeah, and they're losing the locker room. See, that is wh- when that happens, that's when you start to kind of panic because that's when they start imploding. You, They have to realize, I think, what we're saying here is that it's just too early to panic. So do you think, though, that J.R. Smith is going to bounce back? Bounce back in what? What do you mean bounce Is, is he going to refine his form? Because at, right now, he is a black hole, man. Like, he's doing nothing. He's well, having his worst season since he was a rookie. You talk about players that need reps, like Isaiah Thomas. J.R. Smith is just like that. He needs to get all those shots up, right? He needs the, the minutes out there, I feel like. It's it's hard for him to he's just— He's gotten minutes. To, 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 well, not really. Dwayne Wade's ended up taking over more now. Well, no, because he complained not being in the starting lineup, went back in the starting yep. lineup, and he's done nothing. Like, I feel like they, they need more guys to contribute than just Isaiah and LeBron. To even reach the finals. And love. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, love is the wild card there, man. I think love is still underrated. Exactly. He does very well. Mm-hmm. It's all up to Isaiah. If Isaiah can just... You're right, yeah. It, it, it'll it'll, it'll take time. That. It'll all take time. Uh-huh. All right, guys. Last week, we broke down the Eastern Conference. We were at about roughly the halfway point of the season. Uh, sort of, you know, discerning what went right, what went wrong. Guys, we'll talk about the Western Conference. I'm going to start off with Christian Graffin on uh, not a very fun team to discuss. Let's, uh, let's see the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, no, the Dallas Mavericks. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'll go through them quickly. I mean, obviously, they're not doing well this year. I think their goal this year, as it should be, is to tank. Uh, it's the first time last year, I guess, they hadn't made the playoffs in, in almost two decades. So it's, it's a whole new change for Dallas. Um, number one, I think their best 
off-season move was drafting Dennis Smith Jr. They ended up getting him ninth. That's probably the steal of the draft if you don't look at, you know, either like a Donovan Mitchell or OG. Kyle Kuzma or an OG. Exactly. So this is probably, again, it's one of, or if not the best player in the draft right now so far. Um, the one I didn't really understand too much was signing Nerlens Noel to the one-year offer sheet. Basically, to me, it seems like they're just delaying uh, you know, any sort of... It just makes the whole situation awkward. Well, they had the four-year $64 million on the table. Yep. Noel uh, obviously elected to test his luck in free agency. He so, wants max, which, I, he's, again, it's just... Like, it's, as a it, trade ship, though, like, do you see any team wanting a rim protector like Nerns Noel who's in the playoff picture right now? And what kind of return could they get for... Not knowing that he wants max. Mm-hmm. Again, like, that's huge. Like, do, do the fact that Nerns Noel would, would... Or in that offseason... Again, this whole situation for me was just a little bit awkward. And that's why I think it, it, it's weird. It's going to be hard to trade a guy who wants max. It's like um, with Isaiah Thomas. Like, Somehow Boston offloaded a guy that said he wants to the money trucks come yeah. in. Yeah. So and then again, I think this year they're trying to tank. So if they can get Luka Doncic next year's draft, I could see them targeting. Who's going to be a two in the NBA because he's just too big to be a one? And they have yeah. Dennis Smith Jr. and Doncic. They could build off those two players and actually be a good team in the future. Yeah. So their goal this year should be to tank. I like I like Bagley and Dennis Smith. And they did. Well, <laughs> there's so many options. Right? Know, DeAndre Ayton and Dennis Smith. It would be awesome, too. So, again, if they get one of those amazing players, uh, that, that's their goal. They've got to rebuild. It's something that the Mavericks haven't done in a long time, and they, they did a good thing in the offseason by not doing a lot. Greg, Golden State Warriors, what went right, what went wrong? They somehow got better. They somehow Swaggy got... P. You know, yeah, like they made really good... Um, I mean, the Warriors are a very intelligent team, right? Like like their franchise and their coaching staff, obviously. Like they, they get players that fit the system. They get these guys that sort of uh, the league has given up on. Well, Jordan Bell's the best example of that. You know, Chicago Bulls trading with the well, 37th yeah. pick for like, what, $4 million? And, that's, and bring in like a gadgy, switchy guy, sort of like a poor man, Draymond Green. Yeah. That's exactly what yeah. you're saying. Uh, yeah, they, they're... So much better right now than the, than the rest of the league, and they've got players around them that fill the holes nicely, that come in and can do their bit. I don't want to talk about the Warriors. I don't like them. I hope I I I, I really. It's frustrating for me because I like to see competition. You like parody. Yeah. Well, I just like to as a fan, like uh, you want to see people perform under pressure, mm-hmm. and I you know I don't see the Warriors have have their back up against the wall. Right. That's why I'm hoping that 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 teams like the Thunder and the Rockets can really push them, so you could see great players at their best. So, just a quick question on the Warriors: How long do you think they're going to be able to keep this core for? Which is a scary question. How it's however long their stars uh, want to stay together. Like a, it could be five years. You know, they, they could they, keep they this want together to do something for five like years. that. That's what they had in mind when they scary started this thought. thing. They want to be like the best team of all time. It's, right, they got together to beat LeBron, and that's what they're doing. But LeBron might have a counter move. Maybe he'll he'll head to another one of those powerhouse teams. Uh, the team I'm going to break down is the Denver Nuggets, currently 23-22. Oh, surprise, surprise, you got the Nuggets. <laughs> Ninth in the Western <laughs> Conference. Um, I guess what went right, regardless of the injury, Paul Milesup was an incredible signing. You know, Prior to his injury, the team was 10-6. Currently, they're 23-22. Pretty pedestrian numbers, 15-6, shooting around 35% from the three-point line. But he's a really smart vet. 
You know, he really disrupts the pocket passes to other passes and tight quarters with his really quick hands. He's also one of the best, like, two-way defenders in the NBA for being able to trap ball handlers and really switch on his centers to protect the rim. Is he I done for Paul the season? Up. He's gone for the season, but, like, just moving forward, he's just a, a very nice piece to have alongside Nikolai Jochik. Like, a really two crafty big men and two great playmakers. Great in the passers, post. yeah. yeah. Um, what went wrong? I think trading away Jameer Nelson kind of, and also not bringing in a competent veteran point guard. Yeah. Sort of in the mold of, like, a guy like Ish Smith was my biggest issue with this team. You know, Jamal Murray's having a good year, 15.5 points per game, but he's not necessarily a starting point guard. He's averaging 2.7 assists per game. Emmanuel Moutier has proved that he's not even an NBA caliber player, averaging nine <laughs> points a game, three assists, still shooting under 40% from the field. Really? Yeah, and we've seen a lot of See, I looks. I thought he'd be with, good. It's weird. Well, the weird thing about it is that we've seen a lot of looks with his team with uh, Will Barnon being the point guard. Yeah. And Will Barton is more of a 2-3 guard heat check guy at the bench. I don't right. really see him as a primary ball handler. So just getting like a really good, savvy veteran guy to play behind Jamal Murray and Emmanuel Moutier would have been the biggest mistake for this team coming in this season. I imagine they got Rubio. Point, rather. Like if they had Rubio. And my, my other biggest mistake is more pertaining to the offseason, but trading the 13th pick in Trey Lyles, who's having a good year this year, 10.5 points per game, five rebounds, uh, um... For for what like like they they traded Donovan Mitchell basically for Trey Lyles and Tyler Lawton. You know Tyler Lawton's played one game for the Nuggets this year. Trey Lyles has been fine, but getting a guy like Donovan Mitchell on that team, like as their point guard as well. It's funny because I, another team that I have later down the list is the Utah Jazz, and that is my positive move for them. So we'll flip <laughs> is it on that. Is basically <laughs> is basically them going that way. All right, Graffin, Houston Rockets, what went right, what went wrong? So the Rockets, the CP3 trade was obviously the, the best thing that happened to them. Um, mm-hmm. And also, again, like they, they lost Beverly, they lost Lou. Uh, there's uh, get, a lot of teams basically right now are in the situation where they have a lot of peace players or like middle players and they want to trade them for a superstar. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially exactly what they did. Um, well, you look at the season as well. Like we talk about the massive superstar trades in the offseason, specifically like what Paul George, Jimmy Butler. A lot of people are sort of stating that that was actually an even trade. I remember we're talking in the summer about yeah. those trade packages and thinking like it's complete bullshit that that's all they right. got in return for those said stars. This is the only trade where I think Houston is still winning this trade at the end of the day, regardless of who the Clippers got. The only reason I would say, I mean, the only reason I would contest that is, is because Chris Paul didn't have to be traded. He could mm-hmm. have walked in free agency. He could have signed for $200 million with the Clippers. Mm-hmm. He could have kept going. Just ensuring that you and get a guy like Chris Paul on your team. Exactly. And giving but, up next to nothing. Like know? the fact that he told the team that like he'd rather Montrose be traded. Well, exactly. Decker, you know, look what they got. They got a pretty good, nope. and again, again, it's not, it's not, it is probably one of the worst ones if you look back on it right now because of Oladipo and how he's playing and, and honestly, Chris Dunn and Zach Levine might do well for yeah, Butler. Yeah. But again, it's not like they got fleeced in this trade completely. They, they ended up getting something for nothing. Basically, no, they were going to lose Chris Paul anyways. Like right? Beverly's so, been out for the majority of the season as but well. If, but, you know, on, on paper, because I have the Clippers next in this discussion, right? And when you think about Paul being flipped for Lou Will, Beverly, and Harold, okay? So I loved, I like Patrick Beverly a lot. I think it's like if he was healthy... Uh, him and Lou Williams, I think, make up for Chris Paul a bit. Also, because there's clearly an issue in the locker room with Chris Paul. And when your point guard is off, you know, can't uh, the point guard is supposed to be an extension of the coach. And if you don't have a positive relationship, it's time to go. Like, I don't care how talented you are. And that's what Jerry West obviously knew. And, you know, look what Lou Williams done this year, though, man. He's an all-star. So if you think about it, Six and Montrez Harold has so we'll come in the Clippers in a second. Ball. Let's, let's stick to the Rockets. So what went wrong with the Houston Rockets this year? Well, again, in the offseason, I, I don't think there's 
they didn't make any move. They got better. They're like Golden State in the sense that they got better. They were probably the PJ most Tucker. improved. Exactly. Every single move that they did, I honestly liked. If anything, I would say maybe Nene is the only thing. They signed him to a one-year he, deal. He but had a fantastic playoffs. Ex- that's what I mean. Sense. He fits they the need, role. They need a big dude, exactly. Right? They, they, they needed someone to defend power centers. They did, they did not do Clint anything Capella. wrong. Oh, Clint Cabela is too, too small to defend. Have you seen him besides Steven Adams? What? He's not too small. Right? He's so strong. so small. Have you seen no. him beside Deion? I'm talking about DeAndre Jordan, Stephen. I've seen I've Clint seen Capella, Capella a, play this Clint, season. Clint Capella is yeah, a physical brute against in the low those guys. He's he gets bullied. He gets bullied. He's a quick. He's a quickness. Maybe uh, on craftiness and foot positioning, but not on pure physical strength. No, on, on pure physical strength, he gets bullied. I he's agree to disagree. He's gonna have quickness. to go and watch some tape on the Clippers. No, dude, I I, I watched that man. Oh, sorry, Clint, on the Rockets. Clint Capella uh, is is a good small ball center. But against traditional center, I think you need to have someone on your roster, especially when he goes to the bench. You need to have. So I actually think the Nate thing is good. I think the Houston Rockets did a good job. They did. They didn't make any bad moves. And going forward, they they have the best backcourt in the NBA. You heard it here first, guys. Clint Capella is a soft man. Apparently. Soft man. He's a Swiss guy. All right. Guy. So Greg, you're talking about the LA Clippers as the next team. What went right? What went wrong? You yeah, talked every, about Lou Williams already. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's what went right with. I this think team. Harold is an under uh, understated a piece of that. What went wrong with this organization? Gallinari. So the, uh, but so that's, just, that's just really luck, yeah. right? A bad luck. I think that actually, if you look at what they had on paper, you could. This is a decent team, and the fact that they're still in, in the playoff hunt. No. You know who deserves credit? Mike Woodson, the assistant coach. I've been watching Clippers games lately. The, the assistant what? coach, Doc Rivers' assistant, Mike Woodson, used to coach the York Knicks. Okay? Yeah, okay. He's been around. The, the only game. winning season they had the last decade was led by Coach Woodson. Okay. He's been doing way more. You see him up lately. He's actually like the the coaching staff has taken over that team a bit. They've started to like really like like police them on the court. So, anyways, and I think that they did a good job uh, in the Chris Paul trade. I think when you lose a superstar, it's always tough. And I actually like the pieces that they got. I think the next step might be getting rid of DeAndre Jordan and resetting with Montrez Harold and Griffin at, at as small ball um, centers. Tristan Thompson coming to LA. I, that makes sense to me. All right, guys, moving down the list. Next up is the LA Lakers, currently 15 and 29, 13th in the Western Conference. The obvious of what we're going to write this season is the draft of Kyle Kuzma, currently averaging 16.5 points per game, 6.2 rebounds, 46% from the field. I love um, how you didn't even say ball. <laughs> so I, I guess uh, I guess Lonzo Lonzo's playing all right, I guess. His shooting obviously is an issue, but what went wrong with his team is not putting a real stop on the LeVar Ball show. It's one thing to voice your frustration in the media regarding the on-court play versus son, but it's a whole different thing when it comes to publicly lampooning the organization's head coach. And Jeannie yeah. Buss, the owner of the LA Lakers, simply like hashtagging in Luke we trust is not suffice. She needs to publicly call LeVar and essentially tell him to fuck off. Okay? Like Lonzo's a decent player, but he's not the primary factor that would encourage a player to come to LA. If LeBron James and Paul George don't respect the organization's leadership, especially Jeannie Buss, not really you know putting her fist down and saying shut up LeVar, that why would they want to come to LA in the first place? It's like, they, do they want want to play beside Lonzo and LeVar Ball, basically. Yeah, it seems like it's a bit... Uh, What's enticing to that, though? Yeah, Why would no, LeBron James... It seems like it's in shambles. Right? It seems yeah. like there's there's no leadership. You, you hit like you talk, you talk about this team like potentially getting these sexy free agents next year. Why would they want to come to L.A.? But who in talks the, about that, Brandon? The, the L.A. media, right? right. They've, they've created this narrative, and then you say, you're, and then you're right. You look at what is actually happening there, and it's like, why would LeBron want to come in the middle of this crap? I know. LeBron, you're not hustling. <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> yeah, like, 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 screaming at him. <laughs> 
All right, guys, next team up. What went right? What went wrong with the Minnesota Timberwolves, Griffin? All right, well, I think the best – they made good moves as well this offseason. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, the Jimmy Butler trade was great, but uh, I would go back and say the Jamal Crawford signing was probably the best move that they made. They signed yeah. him to a two-year, $9 million deal, so that's nothing. It's nothing for, you know, a – what he's won the six man three or four times already yeah. in his career. Again, I know he's getting older, but just to have that scoring threat and, and like, veteran, veteran, I think the veteran leadership. I think the issue with that, I, I have no issue with the signing. I think the bigger issue is that they didn't bring enough depth on their bench. They're relying on him way too much, Thibodeau especially a guy no 36, 37. Pardon me? Thibodeau don't need no depth in his bench. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Jimmy Butler, can you play 49 minutes for me? <laughs> Only 48 minutes in a game, coach. Well, it's funny because to me, it's weird when Wiggins <laughs> and Jimmy Butler are on the court at the same time. Like, they're so similar in terms of the play style that they have a lot of the time. Well, so, Wiggins is having a horrendous Yeah, but I like thing. staggering them, and I think that's what Thibodeau's been doing as well. Mm. So at this point... You know, Jamal Crawford is never really alone. He's yeah. always out there with at least someone else. They've always sort of, it's only the last five minutes of the game or they've, you know, or the last, you know, eight minutes of the game or whatever it is that they put them on the court at the same time and they go through that. But I, again, that's why I like, I like Jamal Crawford. I've liked it since the beginning of the offseason. I think he's, he's going to do well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the one move I didn't really understand was the Wiggins extension. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, all weird and public about the owner wanted Wiggins. We talked about this in another podcast. We wanted him to verbally commit mm-hmm. to getting better. Uh, I hate to say this because, again, I know it's a Homer podcast, but I don't think Wiggins is deserving of a max contract. No, I really do right. not think not? he's a player. Well, because, again, you, you look at him. I think the Jimmy Butler trade there is a, is a perfect thing to happen for this comparison. Well, that's the thing right there. You said He's it. Like, you think a guy like Jimmy Butler, like a true professional like Jimmy Butler would let a fire under his ass. Right. You know, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, clearly has not happened this season. No, and he's just, his defense is so brutal. Mm-hmm. He has no defensive effort, really. And I mean, maybe it's not the effort. Maybe it's just the skill. I don't know what it is, but it, his defensive skills are very, very poor. So again, I, I don't like really any of that. I was thinking about this last night in a little bit, bit of a bizarro world conversation. What if Kevin Love never got traded? Let's say Cleveland ever got LeBron James. <laughs> Let's say Cleveland's foundation right now was the Anthony Bennett selection and Andrew Wiggins. How horrendous would that organization be, even with Kyrie Irving? Yeah, what if Len Bias never, you know, snorted Dude. a whole bunch of cocaine, you know? It's a fun hypothetical, Greg. <laughs> I think we've seen Kyrie Irving can do a pretty good job taking over a team by himself, especially in his older age. That mm. is true. I'm just looking at Wiggins' stats here. Not yeah, good. So, I mean, not good, not good. All right, right. Moving, moving along. Boogie! What went right? What went wrong with your favorite team, second favorite team in the NBA, the New Orleans Pelicans? Hey, man, we're right on track, baby. We're right on track. We, we were, we're right on track. Yeah, you know, I was watching the Pels the other night uh, take out Boston. Loved it. Boston really had trouble containing. Uh, I, I think, uh, obviously, they need more. They need to go after some more shooters. Uh, I actually like the Rajon Rondo signing because mm-hmm. if you want, he's such a great. He had like 25 assists in one of those games. Your eh? boy Graffin. Yeah, Graffin. Yeah, boy, let's, let's watch all those assists. Real freaking hard <laughs> passes he made there to two Hall of Famers. I, you know, and he's such a liability defensively as well. Like he used to be a pretty competent defender. He used now to be he's good. Just a cadaver out there. But it's just the worst. You know what? You know what? They're a few games out of fifth spot right now in the West. See what's infuriating me right now. 
is the lack of love and respect you have for my man Etwan Moore shooting forty five percent from the three point no, line, baby. He's, but uh, yeah, and I was gonna say Moore's playing well. Uh, uh, Clark from uh, Golden, State Golden State has been playing well. Jameer Nelson has brought some uh, uh, veteran leadership See, to that group. I know you're gonna talk about like what went wrong, but like the biggest issue with the Pelicans is that they're so top heavy. Like we're talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, literally. You know, realistically, like guys eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve on that team wouldn't even be rotation guys on the majority of teams in the NBA. Yeah. You know, we even talk about like, um, you know, like 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 Solomon Hill. You know, so like who do they coming back from injury? Yeah, I don't know if it'll move the needle too much. Dante Cunningham shouldn't be a rotation guy in the NBA. Yeah, Ian Clark, Darius Miller. Exactly. Yeah, no, like, Darius no. Miller's and, been playing and, some fine basketball, and that's here, what though. their problem is. Look, but it's I, Darius Miller. Right, I actually right. think. <laughs> look, if you imagine this team now with one more star. You put one more star on this team, and they are legitimate. The reason that they beat Boston is because they actually flipped convention, right? And Boston just couldn't guard them. Like, they couldn't rebound the ball, right? Uh, I think that this team, if they stay together, let's just say they get a Mike Conley or mm-hmm. something, or they get a, a, a third competent player, maybe a wing player. They need a good see with that, the way that the see, game that, is now. That's you what you're be missing. Right this is what I absolutely disagree with you. Drew Holiday has been playing some fantastic basketball. This no, you're season. right. You're right. Sorry, he has been playing a wing player. A wing player. They, they do need. need. They do need a wing guy, but they do have three great centerpieces in this organization that they can holiday no. their offense through. Do you remember the game? We went to the Pelicans game this year. Holiday put up like 30-something points. Just, this is one of those underrated shot as guards. well. You know? yeah. He's not necessarily like your prototypical point guard. He's more of a shoot-first kind of guy, but he's having a fantastic And the season. problem is they have no cap space. They're seventh in the league. They're already committed to $120 million this year. People like Solomon Hill make $12 million. Omar Asik make $10 million still on the team. Like uh, really? Drew Holiday makes the most at $25 million. Anthony Davis, 23. Cousins, 18. So, like they're the not only hope do it. they have is if they can convince someone to sign there for kind of less money. Or, hey, if AD and Cousins are serious, they take a hit in their salary to bring in. They need a really good wing player. What if about that, what, Oogie's not taking a What hit. about the veteran buyouts? Vince Carter, small forward, New Orleans Pelicans. Oh, good God. That would make sense. I could see them doing that. <laughs> All right, guys, moving down the list. Next up is the Memphis Grizzlies, currently 15-28, and 28, 12th in the Western Conference. What went right? It's obvious. Tyreek Evans. Tyreek Evans, yep. Hey. 20 points per game, five rebounds, five of six, five assists, shooting 40% of the three-point line, a career 31% three-point shooter, so having an incredible season. What went wrong? It's firing David Fizdale, in my opinion. The team win-loss mm. percentage at the time, they're 7-12 with 368. Currently, it's at 349, so he was a little bit better, but I don't understand why they'd fire him. The team was 43-39 last season, finished seventh in the West, um, regardless of the fact that Marcus still absolutely hates his guts, he brought the he brings the best out of his players, honestly. And he's one of the few strange. coaches in the NBA that, but he truly like places his players' careers over his own. You know what I mean? Like he specifically mm-hmm. calls out refs after the game. You can see it last year in Game Two against the Spurs. Yeah. He just seems like such a passionate coach, and he was a great guy in that locker room. And obviously, as I mentioned before, there was a little bit of a conflict of him, Marcus Saul. I just think that was a very stupid move. J.B. Bickerstaff is on a better coach than Faisal, and there were reports this week with Luke Walton potentially leaving Lakers, which is never going to happen in the first place, but a lot of media pundits speculating that Faisal might be the most best logical fit on that team, replacing Walton. He's not leaving in the first place. To attract LeBron, apparently, because he was the assistant in Miami. The one name you said there that kind of got me sort of thinking about the Raptors trade again is Tyreek Evans. Oh yeah, baby. Because honestly, he's one of those aging million players. dollars a year. They, like it's they, a very affordable contract. They just don't need him, right? Like mm-hmm. they're a team that's going to probably go through another like if they get rid of Gasol, like yeah. they, I can see them at the deadline 
kind of cleaning, kind of like we're talking about Orlando. Yeah. Cleaning house. I can see them doing something similar to that and trying to do a little bit of a reset. But, uh, oh, man, if we can get Tyreek Evans that for, would be for a young piece, that would I don't be know what it would take. Again, because... It couldn't be that much. I mean, he's having a great year, but again, Memphis doesn't need him, and they want to do badly, because at this point, they're not going to make the playoffs. I think if we offered our first round pick next year, hey, that 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 might be enough. This upcoming season, we don't have one to break like, Carroll. Next year. That would next really year. give us a boost. Yeah, next year. All right, guys, moving down the list. Next up is another fun team to talk about, Graffin. I'm going to unfortunately give you the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns, yeah, I got uh, all the best teams. This <laughs> um, so again, I I think the best thing that they did was to not make a blockbuster move. I think they have to, they have to have patience here, and it's going to be hard because again, this is a team that's been around and for like 50 years now and they they yeah. have never won an NBA championship. Wait, you're talking about so, Irving, right? To not go after like... Yeah, well, of, there was... Uh, well, look at all the big name splat. Like, their GM right now is known for trying to make a big trade. Yeah. He's always wanted to make a big name trade and all, a whole bunch of free agents were available. Um, they were tied to a lot of them and slowly they just saw Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, all these players go away when they yeah. were tied to a lot. Um, and then, again, the Eric Bledsoe thing got really, really weird. So... Uh, now that he's gone, I think they have to go through that. One of the worst moves I think they did, though, was drafting Josh Jackson. I hate to say it because I was a big proponent of him. Uh, again, too, yeah. he's one of those players that will eventually get better in the NBA. Do you actually think but that? His lack is he, is of a shot. Like a, is this like a Justice Winslow sort of Staley Johnson situation? No, all I over think again? they're going to be forced to play him with a lot of minutes. Right. He's so an I NBA think he's athlete. Good, exactly. So I think, if anything, he'll be a good defender, and that will be sort of his calling card, more so than the offensive if side of the ball. If he accepts that role, right? Because he might want to be like, you know, like a Ricky Davis hot shot. Again, they have offense though, right? They have Devin Booker. Devin yeah. Booker is more than enough offense He's that, special. that in the end of the game, the ball's never going to go to Josh Jackson. I just don't it's feel like go Devin, Devin Booker. Booker is like a guy you could build around. He's a oh, complimentary piece. He's like a secondary guy with another all-star. Dude, I don't know. He scored 70 fucking points in a basketball game. Yeah, yeah. Terrence Ross scored 55. Good point. I mean, uh, 50, uh, no, 51. it was 50, 51. 51. Okay. And uh, <laughs> so other than yeah, so other than that, I guess, um, I think going forward, like the future of them. Like, so look. Devin Booker is 20 years old. Josh Jackson's 20 years old. Dragon Bender's 19. And Marquise Chris is 19. They're going to get another pick. They are going to get a top three pick probably this year. You add any of the names we said earlier, I think DeAndre Ayton would be fit kind of perfect here. Just that big man down low it's that you can build around. Chime in for a sec on this. Like, I think their biggest mistake was just still believing that they're going to get something at a Marquise Christian Dragon Bender this season. Like, those guys have proven, I they're think 19. already, I know, and I'm still, I'm sticking to what I'm saying right now. These guys are <laughs> not going to be up. NBA caliber rotation guys. Dragon Bender, Dragon Bender might evolve into a bench guy at some point in his career, but what I've seen in a Marquise Chris, he, he just doesn't look like he can play the professional game. Well, it's he, mental, mental for him. It's yeah. all mental for him, right? If he, well, he if has he can, all the physical tools to do it. He just he, he can't learn the subtle nuances of what it takes to be an NBA that's caliber That's exactly what player. I mean by mental. <laughs> all right, Gregory, I'm going to spoon feed you this one, buddy. Let's talk about the OKC Thunder. Oh, yes. The the last hope, my last hope that uh, a team can, can beat the Warriors, and they beat them once this year. So, look, I... I know a lot of people are critical when the year started because the ball wasn't moving. It's taken them some time to adjust. I feel like it's a two-step forward, one-step back situation there. And I think they have a switch that they're going to turn on. And let me tell you, there is no team more motivated to beat the Warriors, I think, in the West. I think Russell Westbrook, uh, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony all have something to prove. And I like that they have this big man that can actually switch. 
they've it it it's bothersome that they couldn't get more out of Oladipo last year, and a lot of people claim that that means something about how Russ is. Maybe it's just something about Oladipo. Maybe he he did. Sorry, on a side note, Russell Westbrook is basically averaging a triple double again, again this season. year. No, like he's with I'm, superstars. Yeah, no, I, I I really think that they're like a serious dark horse still, and because they're slowly coming around now. Uh, but I mean, really, their off season was built around those two moves, right? Mm-hmm. I where I think that they okay, Patrick Patterson, and again, I I like him; he's a good guy. But I think they thought he would do more. He they thought they were getting a real stretch four. Okay, makes me wish I'd be traded him. Yeah, no, but, <laughs> All the but value because that's his like perception, right? Yep. Like, and he's a plus minus guy, but really he doesn't hit the shots like when the game matters. He's been playing a lot better recently, but you're right. Starting off the season, especially, he just been horrendous. You know, so, I think it's like what three point five, four points per game. Yeah, and you know, uh, I still think that they have. I mean, uh, Robinson isn't. He's still injured. And they put that that rookie in there, and he's been playing, and they actually look better because there's more Abrams? spacing. Yeah, but they, they're I think the, Abrams is his third year of his career. I'd like to see them go after <laughs> someone like Marco Bellinelli or something like that. that that's a, that's a good yeah. That'd be a good fit for that team. Just they need a little more shooting. Mm-hmm. All right, moving down the list, I'm going to talk some Portland Trailblazers basketball teams currently 23-21, six in the Western Conference. What went right? Uh, they sort of solidified their bench with the surprise play of Shabazz Napier. Um, obviously, their bench play has been their Achilles heel over the last couple seasons. He's currently averaging 10 points, 2.5 assists, shooting 48% from the field, 43% from the three-point line in just under 21 minutes per game. So great numbers from, uh, from Shabazz Napier. But what went wrong, in my opinion, was trading up to select Zach Collins at 10th overall, currently mm. averaging 4 points, 3 rebounds in 15 minutes per game. Beyond the, the the plethora of options available at ten, the T had an opportunity at the time, having two picks, fifteen and twenty, to solidify their bench coming this season. Instead, they drafted like another redundant big, similar in vein to like Miles Leonard. Like he's unlike Laurie McCannon, who has such a quick release as a big man. Like Leonard and Collins can shoot the three, but they're the kind of guys that need like five seconds to set their feet, position their body, and take that three point shot. Um, I don't know. His bread and butter was his offense. He's been dismal this season. The Trailblazers are eighth. Like, imagine a bench of Malik right Monk or, like, a Kyle Kuzma or even an OG Ananobi, like, two of those three guys on the Portland yeah. Trailblazers bench. That team would be, a, I wouldn't say a championship contender, but they definitely wouldn't be 23-21 and 21 right now. Do you think they make the playoffs? Yeah. The Nuggets, so then the, then the Nuggets don't make the playoffs. Because the Clippers, the way it looks now with Griffin back, they're going to make the playoffs. I just don't have any faith in the Clippers. It's weird. Portland, to me, is one of those teams <laughs> that's, like, just stuck in the middle. Right? It's going to be so hard for them to get better. Well, that's their issue. They, they threw up those massive contracts, especially Devin right. Turner. I think Hartless got paid as well. And they got so. rid of Krabs, so that was pretty huge. So they do have a little bit of flexibility moving next season. They just seem to get that one guy off the bench, like a C.J. Miles type. A guy who can at least have, you can depend on them for 10, 12 points a night. All right, moving down the list. Next up, we're going to talk about some San Antonio Spurs basketball mm. with Gregory Yershottis. I like the Rudy Gay signing. I think that they're quite, you know, I, I have this theory that Leonard really wasn't even that injured and they're just kind of like resting him and they're just kind of gearing up now for uh, for the postseason. But no. I mean, they let they, they, they let Simmons go. I think that because he wanted too much money, mm-hmm. obviously. Right. Um, and they got that. I think bringing in Rudy Gay, I think getting Mount Ginobili back for another year was also a big thing. You know that he got the second most guard votes in the NBA All-Star voting other than Steph Curry? I love Manu. Yeah, me too. I voted for him. Yeah, <laughs> right? 
But other than that, they really didn't do too, too much. I think what was big was not trading Aldridge and having that sit down between, you know, I mean, it's come out recently that he wanted to trade. Right. Right. Uh, and the fact that Pop could 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 reintegrate him uh, into into the team and get him to be hit the best player that he can be, right? Which ultimately is the job of a coach. You want to get the most out of the talent that you have, uh, and to see how well Aldridge is doing means that in the off season they they did a good job of figuring out how best to coach him. Yeah, well, that's one of the hardest things to do for for a coach to almost admit when they're wrong, right? Yeah, and, and Greg Popovich, as good as he is, and as, yeah. as as much as everybody thinks he never makes mistakes, he admitted that he overcoached Lamarcus Aldridge, mm-hmm. and that's why and then he had to do a reset. Casey, they they have they they have hum- humility, exactly. Right? They learn every day, right? Yep. The Spurs are the Spurs. They're going to yeah. be great as long as Popovich like, is. I there. know. I know. Gay Cole. has to be good though. Sorry, Gay. That ha- he if they really want to make a run at it, he has to be like a star-ish on the court because, you know, Gasol, Ginobili, Parker, you know, it, it's got to be more of Aldridge. You're right. We uh, talk about Portland and OKC yeah. needing that extra piece. That's the Rudy Gay. Yeah. That's, exactly. what, yeah. that's what they're missing, right? Yeah. And they have it in the Spurs. Mm-hmm. They just mm-hmm. need him to perform. They just need to get Kawhi on the court. I know, like, last season he True. was rested, but he didn't miss eight games in 2016-2017. He missed 10. 14-15, he missed, what, 18 13, back 14, out now. he missed like 16. He's out again right now. You know, is, is, oh, isn't he back from his shoulder no, thing? No, no, no. He's, he's out indefinitely. Yeah. But again, I think that's just the Spurs shutting him down. No, I think no, Kawhi Leonard has had some massive issues of staying healthy, especially over the last his I, career, I, basically. It, it, you know what this reminds me of? And again, this uh, to bring it over to another sport, it kind of reminds me of Andrew Luck in football. Mm-hmm. The Colts were being so secretive this year about their star quarterback and his shoulder. They didn't know when they're going to bring him back. And then ultimately, they just ruled him out indefinitely all year mm-hmm. long, as if they they almost knew the whole time. I think the Spurs have known there's been something up with Kawhi. Mm-hmm. Even when he came back, I mean, he was good, but he wasn't. Kawhi. Well, you know 16.2 I mean? so, points per game in the nine games he played. You're talking about a guy who's 25.5 points per game last season. Clearly, there's something in Right, and you season. know there's gonna he's going to have to come back, so there's going to be some some injury. But again, it's it's just it's weird. I have a feeling that Kawhi is not himself. They might shut him down. I anticipate, I fully anticipate a healthy Kawhi come playoff time. I hope so, for the sake of there this, being competitiveness in the this West. This makes the Spurs actually, like, what they're doing now by because they, they have games where they have, like, none of their starters playing. They're making their other players better. Right. And the team is getting better, right? Because right, if you could do this without Leonard, when he comes back, you have a couple games, everyone else is playing at a higher level. Maybe this is some kind of like Greg Popovich tactic. Yeah, to get coach of the year over Dwayne Casey. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I am going to take over the next one because I desperately don't want to leave our, uh, I guess, NBA breakdowns with the Sacramento Kings, the last team discussed. So Do we uh, have to talk about. We'll, we'll end on the Jazz. I got I got a few things to talk about with the Kings. Okay, currently thirteen and thirty one, fifteenth in the Western Conference. Ugh. What went right? I, I couldn't really find too many things. I found two. Okay, signing Bogdan Bogdanovich. He's mm-hmm. been very useful to off the bench, averaging not Bojan Bogdan Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. He's good, averaging eleven and a half points per game, forty nine percent from the field, fifty four percent three point shot, and he's kind of a good trade piece. Twenty five year old swingman. I can see a couple teams in the NBA he's that a would good like defender. The, like he got yeah into yeah. Like he's he's a competent NBA player. Also getting Frank Mason in the second round is really good value. You know he's playing eighteen minutes a game, seven point six points per game, shooting forty two percent from the three point line. Just a Kansas. really good. Pick. 
pick. Yeah, Kansas. Well, what about their veteran signings? So this is what I'm talking about okay. here. Okay. So what went wrong? <laughs> what went signing wrong? Aging, what went wrong? So give me a second here. So signing aging, aging vets to multi-year contracts. We're talking George Shell, who has 57 million owed to him over the next three years. Uh, Zach Randolph, 24 million over the next two. So what happened was Scott Perry, who was the team's vice president of basketball operations, allegedly told, kind of told George Hill prior to signing that he was going to make an effort to contend this season. Hence why several aging vets were brought on the fold, including a Vince Carter. Oh my goodness. Three months later, Perry dipped to become the GM of the Knicks, sort of leaving the vets in basketball hell. And <laughs> the coach, you know, like Dave Yeager has been like really like focusing on playing his rookies. George Hill came out in media a couple, like last week, I think, voicing his frustration with the direction of his organization. That would be what went wrong. There's a what plethora about, what about of other fucking Plus, they live in the worst part of California. What about Fox, the, the drafting <laughs> the of, worst part of, of uh, Duran Fox? Um, no, I don't know. I, I, like, I, listen, what did like, he go? I know what did he go? What he, went number? Six, he went fifth overall. I, 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 I just, I, we wait, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Because he put together a decent season. If you season. look, I think, at TPA, Fox, and, uh, like, to, like, so total points added, mm. Fox and, um, and Jared and Josh Jackson are two of the worst players in the NBA this year, statistically. Mm. Yeah, but realistically, I guess a point guard, who does Deron Fox have to play with in the low post? Like, who can he Stein? pass buddy, to? to buddy Heels, he's, a, like... he's a scorer, right? Like, we saw it in, the, yeah. in, in college. He's more of a scorer than he is a passer. Uh, when he played in Kentucky and faced Lonzo Ball the game, he scored points. Yeah. It was ball pat making all those passes. Since he got back from injury, he's been playing he good, looks though. looks like he's in fast forward right, when he let's runs finish this bitch up with fast. the Utah Jazz, baby. Utah Jazz. Okay, so trading... I talked about this earlier already, but trading... Tra- uh, Trading Trey Lyles in the 24th pick to get the 13th pick and going with Donovan Mitchell. It's, it's, that's, that's the offseason move, I guess, other than maybe getting Chris Paul mm-hmm. in the Rockets. So that's obvious. I would say it's kind of hard to pinpoint a bad move they made because, honestly, I would say getting not being able to convince Hayward to stay but it was just too obvious he was going to go to Brad Stevens and the Celtics. I don't think they could have done anything there. And then they wouldn't have drafted Mitchell, right? right? Exactly. He wouldn't have got the run that he's had. So I, if anything, I would say, guess I guess, signing Joe Ingles. And again, I know that he signed to a four-year. No, I like Rubio being signed. Like they got him, him for nothing. I completely disagree with you. You're talking about a guy like he's fine. Ingles he's fine. But he's not. He, he's he's have a point guard. Like you, you can't win an NBA championship if Ricky Rubio is just starting point guard. Yes, you kid. The, the, the Celtics won with Rondo. He's the exact same type Yo, of player. Rondo was wicked when he was on Boston. He's you really hate that's, that's, bi- that's a biased statement, Greg. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> well, he's shooting 38% from the field. Yeah, what is Rondo? Sh- I'm telling you, it's the same play. Rondo was not saying. shooting yeah. 38% from the field. If, if you put three Hall of Famers around Ricky Rubio, he will win a championship. End of story. Fair enough. <laughs> Like put him around yet again. Agree to disagree. Through NBA or BasketballReference.com right now. (laughs) I mean, pulling up the raw stats. (laughs) The Utah Jazz to me are kind of in the same boat as like Portland almost. They're going to be stuck in limbo. They're going to be a mid-tier team. They're not going to get a really, really, really good draft pick. They're going to be somewhere in the in the early teens or you know, Mm -hmm. like fifteen at like. Probably around there. It's going to be tough for them to improve a lot. Utah is not a sexy place for players like free agents to go to. They really have to bring up their players. They're, they're really just relying on root on what's it called? On, if, uh, if you're like Mormons like and mountains, what's wrong with Utah? <laughs> if you're an evangelical you? Christian like Kyle Korver, maybe. And I don't know. Have you guys noticed Gobert? Apparently had a basketball career somewhere. Good God. And have you noticed Gobert this year very much? Like well, he's, well, he's been injured. He's been injured, but I mean... The best thing for them, I think, is is, is to have a losing season and get another high draft pick. And yeah, then, but they're not going to get... In a year or two, maybe, and, or you flip the draft pick, the Donovan Mitchell... Playing so well, you got Colbert, you got Rubio, you got Mitchell. That's their best chance. Tankapalooza. All right, guys, um, <laughs> we're running a little late on this one. I'm gonna throw it to Greg. Our last segment, quick of right. the day. 
Um, the Diamond Pizza sponsored, sponsored not sponsored by. gripe by Greg, or how grape, how Graffin likes to put it. Small All right. poutine. Greg, what are we talking about today, buddy? It's real simple, man. You know, I'm watching the Raptors telecast, or sorry, not the, I'm watching the TNT telecast of the Raptors Cavs. Okay, I'm listening to Shaq, Kenny, and Charles talk before the game. Okay, they didn't. Eat, you know how before the game you usually introduce like both teams and you talk about what they've been doing. And blah blah blah. They didn't even talk about the Raptors. Okay, you know what? You know what happened before the game? They had a band playing. They actually had a band playing instead of talking about the Raptors, okay? So no pregame talk. At halftime, okay, I think just Barkley might have said one or two. He misbutchered Pascal Siakam's name, by the way, okay? He's the only one kind of even giving the Raptors even any credibility or, or, or respect, mm-hmm. okay? And you have Shaq and Kenny just completely dismissive. They're not even engaging in, in a dialogue. After the game... Okay. After the game, they refused to show highlights. Charles and 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 and, and uh, Shaq are like, "Oh, don't show that game." Blah blah blah. And they play it out with the band again. And then the whole narrative. Sorry, Brandon. The whole narrative became, "What's wrong with the Cavs? Not what's right with the Raptors." And then the next day too. I'm pardon the interruption. Okay, you've you've got the symbols of of the Raptors basketball and the Cavs. That was the segment, right? But again, it was, "What's wrong with the Cavs?" Nothing, You're right, one hundred percent. Like whatever you, whatever you tune well, into sells. ESPN, when you see the Raptors like like have a massive win, you go to ESPN. The narrative isn't wow, the Raptors had an impressive win last night. The narrative is what went wrong with this said team that the Raptors beat, and yeah. that is the frustration I have. You know, we were talking about this on the chat before. You know, ESPN compiling a list of the top 100 best players in the season. This is a testament to like just the lack of appreciation NBA media has for the Toronto Raptors putting fucking Jay Crowder ahead of Demar Derozan as the most valuable player. It's blasphemy. In the NBA. It's, it's blasphemy. Like, I can't imagine any possible scenario before or after. Like, I just don't understand how you could put Crowder ahead of DeMar DeRozan. You know what? At Coming some point, off a, tw- a season where he averaged 27.5 points per game as well. At some point, Brandon, it's just American bias. Uh, and But it's, it's disrespect. And that's the thing. The Raptors have to use it as fuel. And that's, you know, it's probably part of the reason why the Raptors play like they do. Right? Look, I have a few American friends, and it's weird because I feel like I, I always am like the devil's advocate to your gripe all the time. But look, I, it, Colin Coward was was on. I mean, all the media was talking about. If anything, when they spoke about the Raptors, it's why they're not uh, scared yeah. of the Raptors, right? And the main narrative is like. You know, it's just the Demar and Kyle show. It's like they haven't watched games, right? No, they that, have a whole bunch of young players. Uh, Cleveland's eight and two versus Toronto in the playoffs and swept last year. Basically, and they say that we choke the, in the playoffs. Quote unquote, clutch never Toronto, and that's a lot of what American friends will tell me. Is they say basically until Toronto proves that they can do something in the playoffs, nothing's no, which, doesn't the regular season means nothing. But then they talk about the Wizards. They talk about the Heat. Right? I'm listening to uh, Stephen A. Smith, right? And it's like, if you look at the Raptors' record, they actually haven't shown... The only playoff series that they really didn't show up for was the one against Washington, and that was when Kyle Lowry was coming back from, from that injury, and they mm-hmm. lost some close games. But other than that, the Raptors have actually performed decently in the playoffs. Except for the sweep, I would say. Yeah, no, that's what except for the Washington thing. So, you know, it's... It, I know, you know, it's kind of a tired point, but again, we saw it in the one nationally televised game. They would rather listen to a shitty Las Vegas, like, 
it's a little like a karaoke band, right? Like he's mixing in like modern day hip hop with old school Frank Sinatra, then actually talk about well the being half Japanese. How dare you disparage the good name of karaoke? And with that, guys, we are finished. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, you can catch us on SoundCloud. Uh, iTunes. We'll be back next Thursday. We'll also be speaking to Jack Armstrong in a couple weeks, so stay tuned for that. Thank you very much for listening, oh, guys. dropping the bomb. Drop the bomb, Jack. Drop a bomb. All right, guys. Drop, a, drop the bomb. All right, guys. Have a uh, fantastic rest of your week, and thank you very much for listening. Peace out, Pete. Not.